Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. We're your hosts, Brian and Bucks. Hey, Brian, how are we doing? Bucks, for the first time in about 70 days, our Chelsea Blues team has the FPL Blues. They were uh, upset this weekend by West Ham, and uh, that was a tough way to start the game week. Whoever's doubled up on Chelsea defense instantly, zero to one pointers coming in. Ugh. Really broke the streak of Chelsea dominating the early footy window. They had been looking really strong in that first fixture, either on Saturday or Sunday. And yeah, dropping points against West Ham, doubly cruel because West Ham get the points. So they are in fourth place solidly. Chelsea lose the top spot. City and Liverpool leapfrog them. And so Chelsea's still in good position. They're in third place in the table. And we have a lot of football coming up over the next couple of game weeks. We have some Champions League midweek and the bright side. Hopefully we'll have a lot of the powerhouse teams rest their players for once, which I think uh, I've been eyeing a Cancelo rest here from Pep for at least two months. He's played like every minute of every game for them and he hasn't traveled with the team. So I think there's going to be a lot of positive team news that we get from the, uh, the midweek fixtures that kind of buoy our spirits for the upcoming game week. All right, before we get ahead of ourselves on this episode, Brian and I, we are going to recap the Game Week 15 action in advance of the midweek European football. We're also going to preview the matches in Game Week 16. As always, we're going to call out the top FPL point scorers from Game Week 15 and also discuss some notable players who are going to be potentially missing out with injuries for Game Week 16 as well. In the second half of the episode, we'll get back to business. We're going to look at the best matches to target, looking ahead to the weekend in game week 16 for FPL returns, potential top transfer targets, players that should be in your FPL watch list, and discuss our captaincy and transfer plans for game week 16. Before then, you know, we have to get back to basics, and that's recapping how our squads performed in game week 15. Brian? Let's start with the good, and then I'll wrap us up with the not so good. How did your team do? Bucks, for the first time in three game weeks, I got a rare green arrow. I moved up about 20 spots, which is huge, Ooh. especially when a lot of other managers had some down weeks. So 20 I'm back K up to spots, Brian, 20,000 spots. If you only moved yeah, up 20 not bad, spots, not bad. <laughs> we'll forget about that. But 20,000 spots, yeah. that's, that's a pretty good game week. Yeah, pretty solid. I ended up on 53 points and now sit at 127K overall. And my game week was uh, a bit lucky, to be honest. Uh, Before the deadline, I decided that I was going to back Chelsea in a big way. And after a series of, what, five or six Antonio blanks, I put him as my first bench slot. And he comes in with a relatively lucky assist uh, to Masuaku there. But he's first on my bench. Elsewhere throughout the squad... Rafinha got an assist. Sonny boy. That was the the huge one for me. 13 points. And I put my trust in him many weeks ago and have not had Vardy. So I missed Vardy's recent brace a couple of game weeks ago. And he's now delivered in back-to-back games. And I'm feeling very positive owning him over Harry Kane or Vardy, to be honest. So I like the way that uh, Sun's looking. And Tottenham overall, they, they're starting to shape up a bit. So love to see that. Things I don't like to see is Mbomo finally getting his first return, gets an assist. He's second on my bench and does not sniff the light of day in my squad. But hey, 53 points above the average. Can't complain. Bucks, tell me about your game week. Yeah, I did not have such an enjoyable week. Uh, I did not have Youngman Sung, who proved to be the savior for Brian's side. I end up on 44 points and take a 10,500 spot red arrow down to 45,000 overall. Still pretty proud of where my team sits overall and looking ahead to the next couple game weeks. I feel like my squad is in a pretty good position uh, to get some hopefully gray dots or even better yet, green arrows. But this was another disappointing game week. Really, my team's just been carried by my Liverpool players the last couple weeks. Mo Salah was my captain. He gets another return in that role for 12 points. Trent Alexander-Arnold gets nine points. Phil Foden, who's a player that I chose as a differential just over a month ago, he gets a return. He's finally back to fitness. He ends up with seven points, but uh, 
honestly, that seven points doesn't really tell the full story. He could have had a hat trick of assists in this match if Jack Grealish was slightly more clinical. And as Brian mentioned, Mbomo, he comes good. He gets five points. So really just the takeaway this game week, similar to last week, the big at the back structure that my team has right now is currently disappointing. And one of my recent kind of budget moves to bring in Ben Johnson for Shane Duffy, he comes off early with a hamstring injury and, you know, oh. late, yeah, late scratch, Ivan, Tony, he's in COVID protocol. So there are some questions in my squad, but no burning fires right now. So just happy to kind of be staying relatively put and, you know, 44 points, not a great score, but I do beat the game week average of 40. So I'll take it. Let's just move on to the next game week. Yeah, for sure. Some of us got lucky in the sense that, you know, Southampton, they concede late. Brighton had Maupai score another backbreaking goal to wipe some clean sheets. So I think that brought a lot of managers bench slots um, to like one or two points that were going to come in for the likes of Tony. And so I got a very fortunate there and I had five points from Antonio come in for Tony who has COVID. But speaking of big swings, two big swinging D's and we want to just credit some big <laughs> W's from the manager of the game week. That goes to Christopher Jackson, his side. How do you like Dem Apples? Question mark. Hmm. He Classic goes with name. it. Yeah, he goes with the differential captain option. This was a big cojones kind of move. And he backs Bernardo Silva, who returned in a Whoa. big way for him. He ends up with 76 points in game week 15. He gets 30 from Bernardo Silva. He also has Mason Mount coming off from his first bench spot to add 13 points, Jared Bowen for 11 points. And then Mo Salah, he goes against him. He was his vice captain. He trickles in six points and, you know, Antonio continues to look good five points. So huge credit to Christopher, huge differential team. And this was a real golden, delicious moment for his points total uh, for how do you like them apples question mark. And, uh, you know, I said I wasn't going to do it on this podcast, but I have to shout out one of my nemeses in FPL, Vitar, PV, his side, Am, PV, you won't beat me. He also went differential. He <laughs> captained Bernardo Silva as well, and he lands on 71 points. And wow. he had Broja in his second bench spot. So uh, I definitely didn't see this coming, but uh, he could have been even bigger than he could have been close to 80 points in this low scoring game week. So credit to both Christopher and PV for just massive differential moves and massive cojones. And they were rewarded in this game week 15. Man, Vitar must have been stoked to see that second excellently taken goal by Bernardo come in because he's just doubling up all the points in his head. And uh, that's an impressive captaincy shout. Absolutely. With that, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to look at the top FPL scorers from game week 15. All right, squad, let's take a look at some of the top scorers from game week 15. The number one score, which was yet again, a defender. It's crazy how many times we've had defenders be the highest scorer of the game week. But Absolutely. Um, Ezri, Ezri Kanza comes in for Villa with two goals and a big win for Gerard's side versus Leicester. So he gets 17 points total, three points on bonus too. So he's a defender. I don't think I'd particularly go for him. I think it's a, he does, you know, score historically, you know, three or four goals throughout the season, but he plays center back. So it's a really um, active game for him, I'd say, Bucks. Yeah, very bizarre match in this Villa Leicester showcase, but uh, Kanza just did the business. He came in two goals. He gets the opening goal and then the game winner. And so, yeah, this has been this the season of the defender for sure. And Kanza is a certainly a differential pick. I don't see a lot of FPL managers who are actively following the game, and you know most of our listeners are pretty active players. I don't see Ezri Kanza being a top transfer move in this game week, despite the 17 points. I mean, he is owned by less than 1% of the game. So uh, pretty remarkable <laughs> if you had him in your side, uh, definitely starting in a match like this, but uh, 17 points, yeah, nothing to sneeze at. That that 1% are all Villa fans or uh, his family probably, but impressive nonetheless. Hey, you said right, it, Bucks. not me. Next up, Bernardo <laughs> Silva. Uh, this is one of 
the other players that we've recently highlighted, who is really in form and coming good. Bilva gets a classy brace and three bonus points in this match for 15 points. Huge. And again, we mentioned it earlier, but uh, he's becoming a player who might be in the same conversation as Mo Salah. Obviously, you know, a step down from the Egyptian king, but Bernardo Silva is just having a dream season right now for Man City. He's taken on a lot of responsibilities, Bucks, and I know we'll discuss him a bit further in the episode, but looks absolutely fantastic for a City side who are now top of the table as well. Top of the so table. We'll see. Pep will want to continue to play him a lot of minutes and he's been nailed for them. So let's take another look at a 15 point score. Ben Davies from Tottenham. He comes in with two assists and a clean sheet with three bonus points for 15. He is 4.4 million, very cheap and might be an alternative to uh, Reguillon, who a lot of managers have currently in their side. And you have to hand it to Conte. He's starting to have his imprint on that Spurs team. And they've they've owned a lot of possession the last couple of games, which is um, you know a testament to his tactics and trying to get the players up to speed. The first couple of games, nobody knew what they were doing. They're overthinking. But the last two games, I've been very impressed with Spurs. Yeah, they're looking like they're fixing some of their issues. Reguillon, as Brian mentioned, he was the more popular FPL pick. He has to leave early from this match with an injury. At most notably, he also ends up getting a yellow card. So he ends up with a fat donut, zero points. But he then posted on social media that FPL managers shouldn't sell him, which I always think is funny. He's just trying to protect his own team value in the FPL game. But Ben Davies totally flying under the radar, and he had a spectacular game. Uh, Those two assists both were almost inch perfect passes. So yeah, actually Buck's just uh, taking a look. He's actually playing kind of part of that back three, but he's moving up the pitch quite a bit because he sits behind uh, Reguillon. So I think that's something to keep an eye on to see if that continues and their, their system is, you know, starting to pay dividends. We'll see if Harry Kane can also join that party and return some points for FPL owners. Next up, young men sung. He starred in Brian's team. Sonny boy. He starred in a lot of FPL sides. He ends up with a goal, an assist, and three bonus for 13 massive points. He looked great. He's been looking great. And he's really pulling away as the best player for Spurs right now and this season. Looks absolutely fantastic. I think it's back-to-back games where he easily could have had a goal and assist in both comes through. And again, I think he's a player that plays with such joy and you love to see him sprinting up and down the pitch. And he's one of the few players in the in the attack for Tottenham that has pace and has the kind of ability to be direct and still dribble the ball. I think that's that's one thing with Kane. He can't dribble past anybody right now. And he's having a lot of trouble just with his own touch. So the number one pick, I think, for Spurs is is definitely Sun. Agreed. And something that we've called out on previous episodes that we respect as podcasters and FPL players and also just Premier League fans, you know, Hyungman Sung is a gamer and he plays pretty much every minute for the side. And I just respect his durability because he plays really, really hard and he's pretty much always going the full 90. So whether it's for club or for country, I think Hyungman Sung is just a player that is really in form and He's he's leaving 110% out on the pitch every match. So I love that. And lastly, let's shout out a Chelsea boy, Mason Mount. He comes in with 13 points this game week, back-to-back double-digit hauls for him. He had one goal, one assist, and three bonus in this loss to West Ham. And his volley was absolutely spectacular. I was very impressed with his performance bucks. And he seems to be over his injury woes, and I think he's going to play a lot more minutes. It just depends how nailed do you really think he is as an FPL asset? Yeah, I think Chelsea have a number of injury concerns across the side and Mason Mount is a real difference maker for Chelsea, but just overall, I think probably every single squad in the Premier League would love to have a player like Mason Mount just ready to come on and play really hard-nosed, creative football. And he's so young, and I think now that he's kind of put some of these injury concerns in the rear view mirror. I'm hoping for big things. Uh, Chelsea are going to need big contributions from players like him in the next couple of game weeks. Yeah. And it's been interesting just looking at how the injuries for Chelsea, especially in the midfield with, you know, Conte out, Kovacic, um, Jorginho, you know, faltering a bit. 
And that's, that's really hurt our spine of our defense as well. So we've been giving up a, a few goals here lately that uh, you're not used to seeing. So it'll be interesting to see if um, at least Mason Mount can continue his positive form to make up for some mistakes in the back line. Yeah. Speaking of injuries, let's actually jump ahead. Let's talk about some notable injuries uh, that we witnessed in game week 15. Um, you know, you mentioned Chelsea. So let's start there. Kai Havertz has to come off early. He gets a tackle and then clatters into the net. Um, that looked troublesome. I expect he's for sure out game week 16, if not a couple games after that. And it's not a knock or a new injury per se, but Lukaku came on for the second half for Kai and he just looked awful. He looks like he is not fully match fit at this point in time. So he's a player that I would absolutely stay away from until you see that he can give 90 minutes, a real good effort and go. Uh, so those players pretty notable for man city, Gabriel Jesus comes off with a knock. That's a little concerning. Um, obviously he's going to have the game, the midweek match in champions league off to rest. City also are kind of running short on some attacking options. And Gabriel Jesus was an interesting and compelling differential forward play for some of the upcoming fixtures they have. Leandro Trossard and Leon Bailey both come off with potential muscle injuries. Trossard is it's a shoulder. Leon Bailey, it's a thigh. No return date for either of them. Brian, you got some other ones? I'm getting tired over here. I mean, your boy, Ben Johnson, you brought him into the squad for oh. depth. He's He's 4.0 right now, 4.1, I believe, and um, you know looks to have locked up that spot on West Ham at fullback instead of Sufal, and he gets injured in this one. That's a that's a tough blow. Cresswell is also injured, and so is Kurt Zuma, all injured for West Ham. So defensively, you know they they have a good run coming up, but I would only invest in their attackers, which would be the likes of Antonio and Bowen. Agreed. A couple other ones: Max Cornet for Burnley. That was a scary injury. Uh, he took a thigh muscle knock and there's no return date. I don't think it's as bad as it looked. Um, so that's promising for the young attacker. And then there were a couple ESR. He doesn't feature in game week 15. That was kind of a surprise, the late knock a groin injury there. I expect Odegaard looked great in his place. So I think ESR might be given a rest in game week 16 as well. And lastly, Marcus Alonso, he was a very popular Ben Chilwell replacement uh, going targeting kind of the Chelsea wingbacks. And he has a back injury, no return date set. It doesn't seem like it's so major, but, you know, this might be a convenient excuse for Tuchel to start tinkering and playing some other guys out of position in that left wingback role because Alonso's come in off the bench and hasn't really looked so strong in defense the last few game weeks. And just finally, we mentioned it before, Ivan Tony kind of COVID precautions. That is a real blow for a lot of teams that have just been holding on to him, like mine, and teams that have already moved to bring in a budget forward option. That's a that's a tough one. Those are some of the injuries. Game week 15 and the festive fixtures always need to be on the ball following who's getting injured, who's picking up knocks, who's going to be needing rest. This is the time of the year to really be on your game and monitoring that. Yeah, I was surprised we didn't see too much rotation this week, but in the next, I think, three game weeks, we're going to see a little bit more. So pay attention to those Champions League lineups and see who else uh, comes out of those with potential injuries. And on the Tony front, Bucks, I, I feel bad for managers because you and I have stuck with him for quite some time. He had a six-pointer and a nine-pointer in two out of the three um, previous matches. And then in this one, you know, he's playing Leeds, and then his next game is Watford. And so you're missing him for two of the best fixtures, which is honestly part of the reason why he probably kept him so long too. So it's a bummer that he's, you know, come down with COVID, but it is what it is. And managers will have a, a decision to make if they want to keep him in their side or transfer him out. It's a killer. One might even joke that it's an M bummer. His disappointment. Who, who's joking? Who's joking, Bucks? I see no joke in that. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Anyway, you know, his uh, missing out is opportunity for other players. So I think Embomo uh, is going to be the one who benefits the most there. And, you know, this naturally gets us into potential top transfer targets. You know, if you have some of these players, it might be worthwhile to at least look at players to bring in in their place. The fixtures are coming so rapidly in without so much time between them. 
that missing out even a week might mean missing two game weeks. And that could be a real problem for FPL managers. So who are some players that are on your watch list, Brian? Well, Bucks City cruising into first place. You have to consider one of their three you know, medium-priced midfielders. And obviously, Bernardo Silva has looked excellent. 7.5 million might be rising again this week. So make sure you pay attention to that. Really impressive from him. He's classy. He's been known for so much of his dribbling and his creativity, but he's finishing too. And he's a man who is short of no confidence at this point. So he's a great option. His stats don't say he's better than Gunduan, but he's getting the points. So are points better than advanced stats? I would say yes. But if we're looking forward, I still think Gunduan is an, is a great option. And he, you know, he easily could have scored the goal that Silva you know, set him up for. So I think that there's a different conversation happening if Gundo scores that and it's just a Bernardo assist. Um, so I, those two guys are great. And Foden, also great. I think, man, he he's just such an electrifying player when he's on the pitch. And I, I don't think you can go wrong, honestly, with any three of those, depending on your, you know, your budget. Yeah, I'm actually considering whether it makes sense to potentially double up on the city attacking midfielders they're not so expensive i already have foden he's the most expensive of the bunch uh but like brian said bilva bernardo silva is just massively in form and for fpl you know overperforming your advanced stats is good because you know sometimes reality isn't reflected in what the computer algorithms are reporting and <laughs> you know similarly last season Jesse Lingard was massively overperforming his advanced stats and week in week out, he came good with FPL points right now. Bernardo Silva is doing the business the same way. I think candidly, he's on a better attacking side than West Ham. Uh, just city are class. They're one of the three best attacks in the league behind Liverpool, probably just ahead of West Ham right now. And you have to have at least one part of this city attack Jao Cancel, he's probably distinguished himself as the go-to Man City defender, as he hasn't been really getting rested. But uh, both he and Bernardo Silva, notably, are both not making the trip with the team for midweek footy at Champions League. So I would say those two names are pretty much etched in stone in Pep's starting 11 for game week 11, which is great to see if you're an FPL matcher. Yeah, so they're playing Wolves this weekend. Then they have Leeds and Newcastle and then Leicester. Wow. So these are some great fixtures for a lot of chances to be created. And honestly, I think even if you don't get a goal from your one of your city players, they're going to trickle in assists as well. I think there's a lot of creativity between those players. They're usually not very selfish. They're looking to set one another up because that's what Pep wants them to do, play as you know, selfless as they can and make sure that they're creating chances for their teammates. So great options. Um, and another great option has got to be Jared Bowen. He was the man of the match from my Damn perspective. This guy. Um, yeah. I mean, I was up bright and early 4 30 AM and this guy was just haunting me the whole morning, the whole rest of the day, the whole weekend bucks. He looked absolutely fantastic. And, you know, when we talked about Jesse Lingard taking off and having a big run, Bone is setting himself up to have that type of run playing um, very freely has a great kind of one, two link up with Antonio and is even on some corners. So he's definitely a player 6.4 million easy replacement for somebody like Rafinha, or maybe you can find a few more shekels and get uh, Gallagher to him. He's just an attacking threat. and West Ham, like you've said in the past bucks, you know, they'll put up a stinker every now and then, but they can easily hang three goals on the best um, you know, the best defenses in the league. Yeah. And just one more thing on Bowen. It was instructive to watch this game. I mean, we're both Chelsea fans. So obviously we were watching kind of with bated breath as he just tore up the Chelsea defense and the Chelsea defense are not pushovers. I would argue they're the best defensive unit in the league. And the way that Bowen just ran with confidence at players like Antonio Rudiger at veterans like Tiago Silva and kind of ate their lunch over and over again uh, was really impressive. He definitely was the player, not Mikel Antonio, who jumped off the screen in this match for West Ham. 
And he's just doing it all. And I like that he's kind of playing out of position when they're in possession. He's really making the runs uh, alongside Antonio. He has pace, he has skill. And uh, yeah, he's just massively informed. So he's a great shout. And then a player who we're happy to see back in contention, uh, we should just shout out Patty B, Patrick Bamford. He makes the return. Instant, instant offense. It was like Bielsa has just been biding his time in his weird squat on the sideline, just praying that Bamford was going to come back healthy because it all clicked as soon as he came back on the pitch. Man, this guy, instant Bamf. All right. You know what those letters stand for. Incredible to see him celebrate in front of his home crowd for that draw at the death. And he's a player that had 15 to 20 returns for FPL last season. And hopefully mm-hmm. you know, he'll be building up his fitness. And he also makes Rafinha a lot better option. Um, Rafinha actually picked up his first assist of the season because he's been kind of tasked with more uh, goal scoring and um, you know more attacking opportunities. But now this will give Rafinha more balance as well. So I think that's definitely a positive for Leeds, and they've been waiting for him to return for a very long time. So good to see Bamford back. Now we just need DCL to come back from injury, and then we'll have two more strikers in the mix around that $8 million price bracket to kind of spice things up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to have the best players in the Premier League actually playing in the game. So happy to see that. Amen. Amen. With that, let's take a break. We're going to come back with questions from our FPL Blues podcast community. Thank you, as always, for submitting these. They were great this week when we come back. Time for community questions. What do we got tonight? What do we got tonight, Bucks? I see we have a few gents dropping into our DMs and sending us some questions before the week 16 deadline. So let's start with Andrew, who's asking about his team structure. He says, I have a lot of funds on my bench, but with all the upcoming holiday fixtures and a lot of players getting rotated, it feels helpful. What are your takes on, you know, whether we swap out some of these cheaper players to upgrade a position, or do we have a two or three playing bench for the holiday? What do you think, Bucks? So I think this is a a luxury problem. I I think that Andrew is a Spurs fan. So first and foremost, congratulations on a couple of good results and the return to competitive play for Tottenham side. Always good to see that for Andrew. Listen, (laughs) I think Andrew's team isn't in a bad way. Um, So, you know, I would, I would just want to see who the potential moves are. I mean, if you had two free transfers and feel like that money is burning a hole in your pocket, for sure, I'd rather have cheaper players on my bench. For me, I, I did a move to achieve that. I had Edward in my team, and I kept benching him, and he's $6 million to bring in Dennis. Now, Dennis has since made me look like a genius because he's price rose all the way to $5.7 million. But I think that there's value in being able to keep most of your money and you're playing 11, and that's what we want to achieve. However, we're at the point in the season where having – Minimum 14 guys that are fit and getting regular minutes is a huge advantage and gives you a lot of cover as players get rested or potential injuries spring up. So I think, Andrew, this is a luxury problem right now. I wouldn't be racing to get players that you don't want in just because they're cheaper. Yeah, my thoughts there, Bucks, are if you are eyeing up a hit to address maybe you know grabbing a city mid, I would just hold off a week and I would use that depth that you've built to build your way up to two free transfers. And then you can be more flexible with your team. So that is my ultimate recommendation. If you have, you know, a cheap defender on your bench, 4.5 or less, that's a great, you know, option to have, you know, Ben White is a standout option. Maybe Ben Davies. Some people are shouting maybe Delo at Manchester United could be an option. Tariq Lamptey at Brighton, there's a bunch of 4.5 guys that you can have on your bench. And if you don't play them, you'll be just fine um, benching them. So, you know, a lot of benches have Mbomo as their first bench slot. And he's a guy that's going to probably tick over with some opportunities, whether he brings in the points, we'll see. But a player like that, kind of in that 5.5 million pound range is is not a bad thing to come off your bench um, because you know they'll, they're nailed and they'll play. 
Yeah, just to build on this, if you have a player that's 6.5 million or above that's regular being benched, that player, it's probably time for them to go. However, anything under for that, sure. I, I wouldn't feel a kind of way, uh, you know, putting that guy in my first or second bench uh, on the off chance they're playing Chelsea, City, or Liverpool. All right, next question. Beg you ask, who should he captain this week? He's thinking of moving off of Salah, even though he's in form and has Aston Villa, but he also owns Ronaldo or he could own Kane versus Brighton. So Ronaldo's got Norwich. What do you think, Bucks? This is another team-specific question. I think he's probably got one of Ronaldo or Kane, but this week is a big one of if you have Ronaldo, you captain versus Norwich and move off of Salah. Great question from Bagdeep. His team, Pookie Blinders, is having a challenging season thus far, but he already has Kane and he has Ronaldo and he has Salah. So Bagdeep has a wealth of options uh, looking ahead to game week 16. I think for me, you know, I don't have Kane or Ronaldo. So the choice is more straightforward. I'm going to just be sticking it on Salah. Uh, I also think that potentially if you had a Man City defender like Jao Cancelo, that could be a really interesting differential move as well. Uh, I think Bogdeep's been betting on Kane the last couple of game weeks and being punished just regularly, but Norwich is a get-right match uh, for all intents and purposes. We saw the way that Kane performed and disappointed, but you know Spurs hung three goals on them. So I think Ronaldo is just in much better form than Kane right now. And I think Bogdeep is looking for a differential to rise rank. So I think Ronaldo is the best move for him. However, I think the most of the game is going to be sticking with Salah. I think he's just so hard to bet against because he's getting returns week after week. And yes, you know, he hasn't been at the top of our FPL players score line, uh, at least in game week 15, but he's having a dream season. He's already over 120 total points. I mean, he's massively ahead of everyone else. And so I just think you have to be very brave to go against Salah. And I think he's pretty much a lock to be starting again in game week 16. So he's my choice. Brian, what's your take here? Bucks, I think that my vice the last couple of weeks has outscored Salah. He's just been trickling in the assists, gets 12 total points um, this game week if you captain him. And just the threat of his overall explosivity is reason enough to just keep banging on with him. And that's probably the best way to do it. If you're brave, this is, like you said, a great match for Ronaldo versus Norwich. I'm just still, you know, wait and see with this new look Manchester United team. And until then, until we have like a really definitive premium, that's a standout option and banging in with their form, that's equal or better than Salah. I wouldn't go anywhere else. I'm going to say this. We did so a couple of game weeks ago and were rewarded. I expect that Salah is going to bounce back with a couple goals. I know people are getting a little antsy and saying, huh, maybe is the Egyptian king due to blank? I don't think so. I think he's going the other way. I think he's probably going to get a goal and assist at minimum in game week 16 to really stick it to Steven Gerrard making his return to Anfield. <laughs> and uh, the villains, they're going to be leaving empty-handed because uh, Sala is going to be slamming the vault closed while they're still in there. And uh, I think Liverpool will get three points and Sala hauls uh, once again. All right, next question. Trevor asked, who are the best Tony replacements? He's out with COVID and we're looking for replacements who are you know in that 7 million pound bracket or so. Bucks... This is, a, this is a tough one. Obviously, he's been a player that's very popular in FPL due to his price and his nailedness. But with COVID and missing a few matches, I think it's time to move on. What are your thoughts here? Uh, this is a painful one. I'm in the same boat as Trevor here. And it is really a bleak time to be needing a budget forward because many involved FPL managers have already brought in one of the cheaper budget options. So I brought in Emmanuel Denis. I know Trevor has Josh King. So really the choices are, are not great. Um, I think the standout sub 7 million is probably Christian Benteke for Crystal Palace. Uh, I think this even more so because for a time I was an Edward owner and he's just, he's a horrible imitation of Christian Benteke and more expensive. So I think Benteke is going to start and I think he provides massive upside. He is, 
is known to get a headed goal and then maybe put in a classy finish. And Crystal Palace are just a rejuvenated side. So at 6.4 million, I would say that's that's a bargain and a player I would feel comfortable benching when the matchup is not favorable. One more name I do want to put out there, Armando Broja from Southampton. He has scored all three times he's gotten the start for Southampton. And he's a young player. He's actually out of the Chelsea Academy. I rate him. I think at 5 million, he's a player who just slide in there. You redistribute the funds that you're saving from Tony. It's 1.7 million difference. That's a lot of funds to be able to play with and to maybe upgrade your midfield in another transfer move. If you take a hit or looking down the line to, you know, bolster your defense or wherever you want to put it. I mean, 1.7 million is, is a lot of funds to be able to upgrade elsewhere. And I think that when he starts, he's ticking on. And when he doesn't, you know, sometimes he gets the full rest. So I like that differential. Yeah. Broja is an interesting character. Again, I'm not as bullish on their three-man rotation for two spots because each of Che Adams, uh, Armstrong and Broja have all done pretty well this season. They look like they have three solid attackers. And to me for FPL, that means they have one too many. Uh, starting up there at striker. So if you're going to go for somebody like Broja, you're essentially going to commit to playing him kind of as your first bench slot, or you are really, really focused on the pressers and doing that extra bit of research to see if uh, Hassan Hoodle is going to start him for the next game. So I think it's just a bit of a, a tricky one that if you're not a super engaged manager, you know, I wouldn't recommend going all the way down to Broja. And, um, and one last shout out, I think, if you can get another 0.5 million and going, you know, up to Ali Watkins, I think that is still going to be a, a great option. Villa seem to have that kind of new manager bounce and are playing with a lot more energy and a lot more fluidness in the front attacking options. So he's a player that you should keep your eye on as well. Yeah. The real answer here is ideally you just hold Ivan Tony for at least game week 16 and figure out if he's going to just jump right back in the side for game week 17. He's not so expensive that you can't bench him. And I know Trevor has one of the Watford strikers as do I, uh, it's a great match to just start them instead of Tony and, and kind of roll the transfer if possible. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult because Brentford does have Manchester United in the next match um, in game week 17. So I think that's also putting some managers off of him, right? So he, he misses leads. He's going to miss this next one versus Watford. And yeah, it's just a bit of a, a tricky situation to be in, but uh, best of luck. And just know that you can always, you can always hold these players, you know, 6.5 and under he's a nailed starter. Maybe you hold them for two weeks and address your other, your next weakest link. Uh, if you don't like the alternatives. Absolutely. Next up are two questions from Corey. He asks, Man City, Man United, Chelsea, and Liverpool have the best run of fixtures coming up. Which of these teams should we be investing in assets at the front and which ones at the back? Well, I think most of the defenses are pretty sorted. You know, we've seen an interesting, you know, setup of big at the back being really popular for about, you know, four game weeks. The last two game weeks, it's really fallen to the wayside. So, if you have the likes of Trent, Cancelo, and probably Reese James, you keep those three guys. But I think you, it's viable to switch to a, a three-five-two pretty easily. And you know, I'm an Alonzo owner, not really jazzed about having him. But I think those are the defensive assets you want to own. But it's all about the midfield, baby. With these teams, you can get in at seven and a half million or less and grab a City midfielder or you know. Foden's 8.1, Mason Mount is an option, and we're still going to wait and see on Sancho and Rashford. Those guys are a little bit more expensive, so I would wait and see on those guys for sure. But City and Chelsea midfielders, way to go. I don't know if I agree here. I think I believe in the Chelsea, City, and Liverpool defense. I think having at least one from each of those sides is almost essential at this point in time. I mean, you have to be very brave to be going into a game week without TAA or even without Cancelo, just because more often than not, they are getting a return one way or another. And, you know, I have Rudiger. He's my second Chelsea defender next to Reese James. 
he's not even close to in my transfer out thoughts. I mean, I'm just going to be riding and betting on the odds that Chelsea are going to get a number more clean sheets between now and the end of the season matchup, notwithstanding, they're probably going to be for my starters game week in and game week out United, you know, their defense needs to show me something. I think Luke Shaw right now is nursing a head injury. He would be probably the most enticing United defender, but he potentially is going to miss game week 16 against Norwich. Never a good sign for FPL points. You want to be playing that Norwich match. He's had two concussions recently, so they're taking their time with him and there's no need to rush him back, especially with Tell is playing halfway decent. He's this is the first time he's kind of gotten multiple starts in a row for Manchester United. So I think the the main guy is to see if uh Delo, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Bucks. He's Portuguese. Yeah. Anyway, he's Delo, he's only yeah, yeah he's only 4.4 million. And if he becomes nailed, because Juan Basaka is obviously good at defending, but he can't do anything from an attacking perspective. So once Ragnick's system comes into place and they want to turn the ball from you know back to front really quickly. I don't know if Wani Biz is that guy. So maybe Delo at 4.4 million is kind of a, a rogue shout and they have the best fixtures coming up. So uh, that's that's the only defender I would choose. I wouldn't go near Harry Maguire. Um, he's uh, a yellow uh, card waiting to happen. Yeah, and just it's interesting because I would say United are probably the worst of these four teams um, from what we've seen thus far this season. But there's so much unknown going on at Old Trafford with the new coach and, you know, players remaining to be integrated into the new system. And for the most part, a lot of their FPL assets are pricey. So if you're going to commit to a player like Rashford, like Sancho or Ronaldo, um, you have to really be betting big that this Ragnick system is going to come in and just churn right from the outset. So I, I'm going to give Man United a couple game weeks to wait and see. I was thinking yeah, about... Definitely definitely an incomplete grade, right? We want to give them a few weeks to see how they turn around in this system. Absolutely. And, and you know, Corey asks, his second question is about Ronaldo, of having Ronaldo versus Norwich. Is he essential? And I was actually weighing this transfer move up last game week, moving off Vardy, who was re- reported to earn a rest and bringing in Ronaldo. I had the funds to do it. And I decided against it, and I think it was the right move. I mean, Ronaldo didn't get a return, neither did Jamie Vardy, so kind of uh, wash there. But Ronaldo, he's a strange fit into the kind of uh, Gagan press system, but obviously he's going to play and he's going to feature a lot. I just think that there's there's so much uncertainty, and Ronaldo is just so expensive. He re- You would really have to orbit your whole team around fitting him in next to Salah, and that could be challenging. So. If I had Kane, I'd probably naturally switch to Ronaldo as soon as last game week ended, but I'm not going to be kind of messing up all my future transfer moves to move off Vardy, who has Newcastle, to bring in Ronaldo, who has Norwich. I think kind of they're they're one in the same playing against either of those sides. Yeah, great points, Bucks. I think if you have Kane, move him to Ronaldo for this fixture. Obviously, Kane hasn't been delivering and has been just super disappointing throughout the whole season. You know, at least Ronaldo's had a couple big time moments in the Premier League from an FPL standpoint. So interesting times ahead. I think if he picks up a couple of goals, it's going to be hard not to get Ronaldo. But I I know, Bucks, we've talked about it before. It's just, you know, at his price tag, you need him to be delivering next to Mo Salah. And I think there's just too many blanks scattered in for Ronaldo to make his uh, FPL value really skyrocket. and. With him being 36, and you know we've seen it in a few of these other matches, like he's pulling off miraculous goals in Champions League at the end of matches, but in some of these premier matches, he looks really ragged. He looks like he's 36 years old and he's quite tired. So that also puts a lot of one-pointers into your FPL side, and that's not something I want with a $12 million player. I wouldn't bet against him to kind of start ticking on those big returns and getting a brace and getting a goal and three bonus. But uh, I want to. I don't want to be the first one to be on the bandwagon. I think for Ronaldo, I want to really see him start delivering. And they have the matches coming up and the fixture run to really start getting in this form where you know the motor is really running and it's it's running on hot for him. So he's 36. Again, he did look like he potentially picked up an injury in 
game week 14, which is why he was kind of rolled out more slowly in game week 15. But game week 16, it looks like the Jets are going to be put on and Cavani is out with the knock. So I would definitely rate Ronaldo as a transfer move in, uh, depending on if your team can stomach it. Bucks, last question is a personal one from me. As a Rafinha owner, what are your thoughts on transferring him out for this upcoming run where they play a lot of tough fixtures that are going to have Chelsea, City, Arsenal, and Liverpool? He's a talisman of their team and has been ticking along the points, has a couple goals in his last five games and one assist. But when he plays, he really he's the main engine for a bad team. So would you hold him throughout these three matches, maybe put him as your first bench slot. Chelsea has looked a little bit susceptible in the back right now. And the same goes for Arsenal. So, you know, maybe he has a, a lower ceiling, but his floor could still easily be five to seven points in those matches. Fantastic question. Rafinha is definitely a player who's been tormenting FPL managers. Either you got off him early or you rested him and benched him uh, because he was reportedly injured. And then all of a sudden he comes in with an eight pointer or you're looking at a double digit haul and he rips his shirt off to celebrate and gets a yellow card, <laughs> uh, putting him back in the single digits, a high single digits, but not double digit hauls. This is the time where if you're going to sell them, you want to sell them before the Chelsea match. That's a really tough fixture. And then City and Liverpool are absolute. If they're not fives, they're fours on the uh, kind of FPL Blues podcast FDR ticker. Um, Arsenal, I, I would if I had him and you're holding him and you're committed to hold him, I would probably start him versus Arsenal. They're not as scary of a defensive team. Definitely one of the tougher ones, but that's more of a three. That's a neutral match. The real question is, who can you bring in for him? So if you're able to make the straight swap and bring in Jared Bowen, who's about to go on a nice fixture run, maybe I make that swap today and then I plan to uh, switch back in five game weeks time. Alternatively, if you did have funds and you could level up Rafinha to Bernardo Silva without taking a hit, uh, that looks like a delicious, delicious uh, upgrade. That's going from a kind of... uh, you know, ground meat to uh, filet mignon steak. So I, I really like the allure of, of making that swap. Yeah, it's an interesting proposition for managers. I think he's the type of player that does tick along the points. And with Bamford back, I think that really, really boosts his FPL appeal. Now, these fixtures are terrible. But after that, um, I just see him being a player that you have in your side for 10, 15 game weeks in a row, and you just um, ride it out with him. So we'll we'll see what happens, but um, we'll talk more what I'm thinking in my transfer plans. Yeah, just one last thing, you know, with with Chelsea, City, and Liverpool on the near term horizon, I think I would probably be leaning to bench or sell almost any option that isn't Mo Salah or Diego Jota for Liverpool because. I think that those really are the three strongest teams in the league. And I mean, West Ham have shown me something, but they're still letting goals in even when they get results. So I think there's the kind of top four has distinguished themselves as being just a little bit better than everyone else. And, you know, Leeds, they haven't yet really gotten into third gear this season. They're still just outside the relegation zone. So I expect that there aren't a lot of a points for the lead side in the standings in these next four game weeks. All right, Bucks, let's take a look at the upcoming fixtures for game week 16 before we take our final break. So we have a couple of fixtures starting early. We have Watford and Brentford on Friday, which bonus a lot football. of managers. Yeah. Bonus footy. We love it. And I think a lot of owners will have somebody, whether it's an attacker in King or Dennis, or maybe Mbomo in this one. I would love to see some goals in this fixture as no nobody in their right mind would have any of the defenders from these two teams. Absolutely. I wish uh, I wish that Tony was healthy because this is a amazing fixture for uh, open style goal fest type play. I think this could be 4-2. I think it could be 3-1, but I expect there's going to be a handful of goals and I will absolutely be starting both Emmanuel Denis and Brian Mbomo in this one. How about you? Yeah, right now my side, Bucks, I have Mbomo. I'm definitely going to be starting him this week. 
Tony is TBD in my squad. This is an attacker's delight. And I don't think Watford has kept a single clean sheet this season. So nope. even the likes of Brentford should be able to put a few past. Yeah, other matches we do want to target for FPL points. Wolves come to the Etihad to face City. That's the early fixture on Saturday morning. Leeds come to Stamford Bridge at Chelsea. That's a, that's Those are both matches where I expect there are going to be a lot of ball control for the top team in those ones. United travel to Norwich. This is why a lot of FPL managers are thinking about bringing in Ronaldo because Norwich leak goals. And, you know, United haven't been so steadfast at the back, but I think this should be a pretty easy win for Ralph Ragnick's side. And then two more we do want to point out. West Ham travel to Burnley. Hopefully snow is not in the forecast for FPL managers. And lastly, Newcastle go to King Power to play at Leicester. So there are a lot of more lopsided matches in game week 16, which means there's either going to be a lot of FPL points or a lot of stunning score lines. Bucks, I'm excited for these matches. I feel like we've had a few kind of middling game weeks in like the 40s to mid 50s. And this one really has the potential to have a big, you know, 70 plus point haul for the majority of FPL managers. So let's get in the goals, mates. Let's get the goal rush going and crack a beer and enjoy the matches. Yeah, game week 16 has all the ingredients to just absolutely pop off with FPL points. All right, Bucks, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. We'll be right back. All right, let's get out of here on a high note. Our transfer plans and captaincy selections. I'll go first. I do not have two free transfers. I just have one boring move to make and I have two flags in my team right now. Ivan Tony out with COVID. He's for sure missing game week 16. And Ben Johnson seemed to have come off early with a hamstring injury. He is not quite guaranteed to be missing game week 16, but I wasn't going to be starting him. He was going to be bench fodder. So not ideal. I am able to bring two guys off my bench, Denis and, and Bomo and roll the transfer. And, you know, I think that Vardy being rested in midweek is really, really nice for my side. He's my differential right now and he gets to play against Newcastle. So I'm stuck between two minds. I'm either going to roll my transfer and have two free transfers uh, in a couple of game weeks, or I am going to make a forward transfer and move a straight swap from Ivan Tony to Antonio in one move. Uh, that is one of the perks. Ooh, got of some money in the bank box, money yeah, in the bank, huh? I have 1.7 million in the bank, so I can make this move as a straight swap. I'm just concerned because Antonio has not really been touching the ball or getting results and really direct West Ham goals of late. So I'd rather own Bowen, but I think I want to hold in Bomo at least for one more game week for this tasty Friday fixture. As always, I'm sticking true to my boy, Mohamed Salah, and my vice captain ticket is going to be on Jao Cancelo. How about you, Brian? What are you looking at? Yeah, Bucks, I'm in an interesting position similarly to you where I have Tony out with COVID. Then I also have Duffy, who is suspended for this match after picking up accumulating more yellow cards, right? And then I have Alonzo, who is flagged with this mysterious back knock, which uh, I'm hoping it's a Rudiger-esque five-day injury and that he'll be able to play because... You know, when you own James, Trent, and Cancelo, you know, those guys could be rotated at any minute during this time of the year. So there is a chance if I don't address my back line that I only have two playing premium defenders. You know, I think these guys are all going to get rested because Chelsea, Liverpool, and uh, obviously Cancelo didn't travel with City. You know, they have their spots locked up in the knockout round for Champions League. So I would expect the, you know, the young guys on the squad and those bench guys to get a lot of playing time um, in those matches midweek. So I have two free transfers, 0.3 in the bank. You know, when I look at my team, Rafinha is a, at a price, um, you know, he's 6.6 in my squad. If I transfer him out, I'm really thinking about upgrading him to Silva or Gunduan. I think those are the two players that I can reach very easily. My preference would actually be Phil Foden, uh, who I transferred out a couple of weeks ago for Jota. And that's been kind of a wash, you know, Joe just scored a goal and I think um, got 
eight points, whereas Foden just got a seven pointer when Jota blanked. But oh, Bucks, we didn't talk about on the pod, but that goal that Jota missed against his former team. I mean, oh, can you believe that he missed that? That was a mercy. I think that if it was against any of the other 18 teams in the Premier League, that was hitting the back of the net with ferocity. And I think he just, uh, that was very kind to his former uh, team in front of the uh, the Wolverhampton side. I really feel for people who went rogue and captain Jota against his former team instead of Salah because he really should have put that in the back of the net. That was surprising and had a big chance early off of a, a tougher header, but still a, a big chance nonetheless from a cross from Trent. So a uh, tough, tough week for Jota, but happy to own him. Absolutely. I was going to say, uh, if you didn't remark on that header, he really, on his day, he has a brace coming out of that game uh, at the 70 minute mark. And it's a totally different story. You know, Liverpool are hanging goals left and right on everyone. And uh, they would have done it again if uh, Jota was, uh, you know, 50% more clinical and uh, in his normal heavy scoring self. Yeah. So Bucks, just to highlight who I think is a problem in my team, I have Rafinha. I'm not against holding him, but those tough matches and at his price tag that I can upgrade him to somebody like Bernardo Silva, that makes a lot of sense. I also have Huang in my team and he's 5.6 and has five straight blanks. He's still nailed and at a price that it's not a huge priority for me, but I would like to have obviously Dennis instead of him. So these are these are some of my thoughts, but I think I'm going to prioritize getting a city midfielder over the likes of um, of Dennis. My main combination right now, Bucks, I'm thinking about downgrading Tony to Dennis, and that'll free up one million just about, and upgrading Rafinha to Bernardo Silva or Gundogan. Those are my early transfer thoughts, and I'm just going to ride, keep riding it out with Mbomo and Huang in my side. Um, you know, what do you think there? My take would be uh, something a little bit different, but a similar goal. I would go Rafinha to Bernardo Silva. Again, he's going to get rested midweek, which means you're pretty certain he's going to play in game week 16, barring any uh, crazy antics from Pep Roulette. And then I would probably get off Alonso. He looked terrible in the two matches he's played thus far for for Chelsea, excuse me. And I think if you can get Alonso cheaper, uh, maybe you swap him over to a player like Tyreek Lamptey or even a player like Kieran Tierney, who looked really good in game week 15 for Arsenal. Then you're freeing up funds to redistribute in future transfer moves. I think Huang is at a price point where you don't need to address him right now. And I'd be concerned if I had both Huang and a player like Dennis, two sub six million playing strikers, because that's that's a future transfer move waiting to happen. That's my two cents. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely understand that. And, you know, Alonzo, if I would replace him, I would probably go to Lamptey or uh, Ben Davies at Tottenham. Cheaper, I think those yeah. are the kind of standout players. I already have Ramsdale and goal, so I don't really want to double up on Ben White, although I do think he's a good option if you didn't have Ramsdale and goal. So I have a lot of uh, tinkering to do. I'm I'm nowhere near making a decision, Bucks, but I'll tell you this. I practiced some rage constraints on Saturday of this past game week where I was really looking at the prices going up on Dennis, Reggian, and Bernardo Silva, and I almost rage transferred um, and did a minus four. And I was visiting some friends uh, upstate in California and kind of was having some drinks. And then I just put the phone down. And, uh, you know, after hitting up the group uh, that I talk to a lot, which includes you, Bucks, you, your advice was wait until the matches tomorrow. You know, you can always get a different combination of players if you miss out on these price rises. And I haven't taken an early transfer really all season. So that is one that really worked in my favor. Yeah, Brian is providing a look behind the curtain of the FPL Blues podcast because he texted me <laughs> distraught about taking a minus four before Spurs even played. And I was like, Brian, Brian, pump the Jets, pump, excuse me, pump the brakes, pump the Jets. That would be uh, that, that would be the wrong foot to put down <laughs> on the wrong pedal. Um, I said, pump the brakes. Reggion hasn't played yet. What if he comes off injured? Unfortunately, that was a little 
prescient because he does have to leave early and uh, you dodged the bullet there and you also saved four points. And it's just a reminder to wait, if at all possible, for the press conferences. Having 0.2 million of value more in your team looks great on paper, but doesn't necessarily translate into FPL returns at the end of the game week. And, you know, that's a great transition. We want to practice patience, but it's almost at the end of the year. So we really do want to give a major shout out and thanks and some appreciation to some of our listeners. We're at the close of this episode, but before we get out of here, we really want to recognize some of our listeners who shared their Spotify 2021 wrapped podcast list with us. And those, some of them featured the FPL blues podcast. We're a new podcast. We're just doing this for fun. We really are enjoying being able to come to your airwaves and to come to your preferred podcast provider game week in, game week out. So huge shout out to Nick Bulkholtz, to Corey Cummings, to Kev Johnson, and to Trevor. Trevor, I'm blanking on your last name. I apologize. Thank you for the support. (laughs) Thank you for sending this our way. We are going to be putting out a social post uh, that really encapsulates some of the love that we're getting uh, for the FPL Blues podcast. Yeah, I was going to shout out Sammy Grady. She also had us in her top five podcast this season. So continue to subscribe and listen to us and please hit us up with your questions as we have many matches coming up in the next couple of weeks. So thanks again for listening and good luck this week in game week 16. Green arrows, no, no blues when we come back after game week 16. Thanks everyone. <laughs>